From the Mid-South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. It's Friday. We do have jobs. And today, we'll have a good show for you today. We've got going to review the uh, Auburn meetings in South Haven and Hernando. We're going to preview the Friday night football games. But I think we want to start with some great news, I guess, for the students and for the teachers. Uh, DeSoto County schools have decided to reduce the Friday schedule to 70% of the normal normal hours. That's right. Uh, moving, uh, get out 12 o'clock on Fridays. We had an opportunity to talk to some DeSoto County school uh, kids. We asked them what they thought about Corey Osselton's decision to move to 70%, and they had this to say. That's my dog. You know, this was done in order to give teachers additional time to plan uh, instruction during these challenging times. The, the uh, Friday is 70%. Unfortunately for the students, will not start today. Uh, it will start next week. They'll go to 70% schools, and this will be done for the rest of the school year. Is it you school know, year or through December? Is it through December? Uh, it says unprecedented school year, so okay. uh, we're going to say through the school year unless we're told otherwise. Again, it's, it's, it's good. It gives the teachers more time to plan. Of course, you know, teachers are doing both in-class and online and so they're having to kind of you know do one for one one for another sometimes they're having to post stuff late and so this will give them a little more time i think i think matt you said that they were actually fighting to try to have all fridays but they kind of compromised the 70 percent. that's what i'd heard that uh, they were a group or it was there was a push to uh not do fridays at all and it just be fridays be nothing but a teacher time to work with virtual students and that type stuff but they uh, instead uh, agreed upon 70 percent to uh to, to be able to go till 12 and and then I'm assuming the teachers are supposed to continue on that day and they still work and, and help the virtual learning, help the virtual students more. I think that was something you and I talked about off air. Uh, there was a concern with virtual students. We had a newspaper article that we we read where some parents were complaining about um, just the attention that the virtual students were getting. And I think this is a adjustment by the DCS administration to, to try and address that. All right, so, so you know, just some of the uh, quick, quick bullet points. I just got a text, Eric, through December. Through December, okay. Through December. You. Through December for the clarification. Uh, some of the uh, bullet points on that, 70%, again, we'll start next week. The school day will begin at the regular time and end two hours and 15 minutes early for all the students. Again, this will allow the, the uh, teachers to be able to begin their planning, either post up for the weekend or begin their planning for the next week. Bus riders will arrive at home approximately two hours and 15 minutes earlier on 70% Friday. So you parents that are waiting for the kids to come home or may have somebody somewhere for them to go, that will take place. The 70% days will meet the Mississippi Department of Education instructional requirement for a regular school day. So they're not, we're not reducing the number of days for the school year. Uh, this schedule only, the change only applies to instructional minutes for in-person students. So again, if you're online, you will still may have, you know, projects due through the end of the day that day. And then the, the, one of the uh, main things I think that's important is that lunches will be served on the 70% Fridays. Some schools, you know, they, they either do maybe a grab-and-go lunch uh, because of the revised schedule, because, you know, some schools may have earlier lunches, some have later lunches, but all schools will offer at least through lunch for the 70% Fridays. So, again, I think this is a good thing uh, for the students, uh, for the teachers, but also allowing them to get the education they need, you know, to count for the school year. That's right. Another text I just received, 70% Fridays meet the Mississippi Department of Education requirements. 
Uh, again, like you said, the lunches will be served. And then each principal actually has their uh, their ability to set their own bell schedule. So it's not a, a hard noon stop or anything like that. So whatever's best for the principal is what they're allowed to do. And again, it goes through December 18th. And we'll learn a lot more over the next 90 days, coronavirus related, uh, virtual learning related, et cetera. Uh, we'll, we'll be on down the road a bit by December 18th. That's good. So students, you know, enjoy it. Uh, use it wisely. Go ahead and get you know some of your work done before the weekend start. And again, teachers, again, this is done in support of you. So hopefully that you also use the time and get everything done and, uh, you know, just continue to doing everything you've been doing. We just appreciate again so much all the hard work that you do. You know, hopefully that, you know, you are, uh, I know you're appreciative of this, but can use this and, and get what you need to do done. Sure, absolutely, Derek. We talked about it. Our, our moms were both teachers, and any more, uh, whether it be 15 minutes or 15 hours that you can give teachers uh, a chance to catch their breath and, and focus on kids and that need help in a different way is definitely a good thing. So um, shout out to Corey Elselton and, and, and the DCS administration for this decision. Again, 70% still meets the requirements by the Mississippi uh, Board of Education, so it, it does make sense at this time to do that. I, I really like the idea of not canceling an entire day. Uh, I like the idea of of, of doing everything you can for both sides, both the virtual and the in-person schools. Um, you know, like I was saying, out all day on Friday, it affects childcare, it affects work schedules, all those type things that, that people battled for months and months starting about March 12th. Good plan by them. And uh, You know, Matt, you know what else is a good plan? Ordering t-shirts to the Print House. That's exactly right, Derek. Remember, the podcast is brought to you by the Print House, located at 2462 Church Street, right here in Hernando. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs. Whether it's a new logo or marketing plan for your business or a large order of t-shirts for your family reunion or church group, the ladies at the print house can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105 or find them online at theprinthousems.com. Again, 662-298-3105 or at theprinthousems.com Podcast also brought to you by Precision Services, again located right here in Hernando. Whether you're a real estate flipper or a homeowner with simply too much in your yard, Precision can help. They specialize in residential or commercial renovations. With over 20 years' experience in the demolition, junk removal, and construction business, Precision is eager to bid on your next project. Give them a call at 662-469-4189. Mention the podcast and get 5% off your estimate instantly. That's 662-469-4189 for Precision Services of Hernando. Next, we're going to delve into the Alderman meetings, uh, both in South Haven and Hernando. We'll start up at South Haven. Uh, These meetings were held on September uh, 15th of this week, so just past Tuesday. And on the Alderman meeting, the first thing that they approved was uh, the building code change. They do not have a building code change in South Haven. All houses 6,500 square feet and larger must be sprinkled. So if you're going to build a nice McMansion for yourself, uh, that's great. Uh, 65 square feet uh, must be sprinkled or above must be sprinkled. Uh, they, and they also, you know, they, some people had been trying to get around this or, or talking about getting around it. Well, what happens if somebody builds a, you know, 4,999 square foot house and a 2,000 square foot uh, expandable space that they'd finish later and therefore trying to bypass it? Not going to be able to do it because the 6,500 square feet is under roof. So anything under roof. Anything under roof. Not so, heated and cooled, under roof, period. And cooled, yeah. at, you know, at, at the time, just under roof, period. So if you do finish it out later, it, it'll already be pre-sprinkled. But they just thought it was a good thing, you know, because, you know, you get a house that large, having to get a fire department, you're going to need multiple trucks. So it needs to be sprinkled. And, again, we always know that, you know, commercial buildings, uh, it, 
even a little smaller than that, already have to be sprinkled. And so, again, for a house 6,500 square feet or greater, it will now have to be sprinkled. Yeah, 6,500 square foot houses, that's a big house. It's a nice that size is a big house. house. That's a good point, having multiple trucks and having, you know, a, a – a bigger effort to deal with a home that size and uh, having a house that size sprinkled even at a, at a minimum could help tremendously with, with salvaging and, and saving that, that home. So, I mean, I like the idea. Uh, we deal with commercial real estate. Uh, Derek, you and I both uh, have, you know, do things in there and it makes total sense. Uh, the next thing is they looked at, uh, for discussion only, this was only discussion again, they did not vote on this, but they started talking about the city covenant. Some of them they wanted to amend, uh, some of them having to do with how long trash cans can be out at the road, uh, what to do with the, the pods, the, the big large containers that may be sitting in a driveway uh, they're going to give you up to uh, 14 days uh, in your driveway to be able to move stuff in or out uh, that's again this is all discussion not for approval uh, they talked about what to do uh, for trailers uh, they're now going to put language in there all encompassing trailers you know not trying to you know they were trying to they think they had like you know mobile homes they had this they had that well now it's just going to say all trailers so that they can avoid any kind of you know uh, nuance in that and then the last thing they were talking about electric signs you know what to do with the electric signage you know how it scrolls across what color the letters can be and all that kind of stuff so again that was for discussion only they went into that uh, there were two conditional permits approved uh, this week uh, there's gonna looks like there's gonna be a new spa by the chop house in this place where the old spa used to be uh, the spa had been had, has closed for now over a year the conditional use to allow for a spa in that location had expired they re-upped that because it looks like somebody's looking at that space and then there's a new barbershop coming in at Goodman and Elmore uh, again this is also a, a spot that had currently doesn't have a barbershop uh, it will have a barbershop now so they were asking for that that was approved Finally, the mayor went over, kind of just, you know, the mayor gives a, a report each meeting, and these are uh, about four or five things that he looked at uh, or, or kind of mentioned that had happened. The first one, Springfest logo, uh, if, you, if you know where that's been done, they had redone that whole parking lot, the area kind of uh, just to the west of the amphitheater, all around there where all the barbecue teams used to go. That's been, they've been working on that really hard for Springfest for 21. And so the new, they put a stamp in the parking lot that will be painted, made to look real nice and fresh. So there'll be actually kind of a symbol uh, now in the parking lot for Springfest. That, that's a great thing. It used to be grass. Mm -hmm. It used to be grass, and then they, the walkways were asphalt. Did they asphalt the whole thing now? Not, not, the, uh, I think, not the whole thing they put, but they put like asphalt walking right. trails and stuff like that right. where you can go to places where the, the trailers can hook right. up. It's more of a hookup. It, it looks a little bit more like an RV park. Correct. situation uh, hook up and all that yeah and looks I, very nice and the stamps in the master park the, the larger park line. gotcha yeah well you can't have you can't have something that looks trashy across from you know the silo square project and and all that kind of stuff i mean definitely working hard in that area to make it uh really really nice yeah speaking of silo square he went over that also talked sure. about how you know people used to say there's you know they're going to build this bridge over Getwell, which they're still in the process of doing uh, that was going to be a bridge to nowhere. Well, now, I mean, there's multiple buildings. They've already got shops moving in. Uh, almost all of the apartments that are currently completed are rented. Uh, so it's just a great, you know, again, they're building their own town square right there at Snowden. And so uh, it's solid square. And, uh, again, they, they're really coming along. So who's very proud of that? I was gonna, let me ask you a question. Do, do you see, you lived in DeSoto County now for two decades. Do you see the South Haven offices, the aldermen, all that type stuff. Do you see South Haven City Hall, per se, or that type, where they do business now up on State Line, which they've been there for years, do you see them eventually one day being in the center of the county over the Getwell area? That's, that's a good question. Uh, obviously, none of that was discussed. I think that with the size of South Haven, I, I don't know. And again, I have. it's been a while since I've seen the master plan for what they had planned for Silo Square. I don't, you would have to have either a large building or multiple buildings. Of course, those would not be 
Now, if the if the city were to purchase it from the developer, I'm sure the developer would be happy to build it. Um, but you know, the city spending the money to do that with what it would be per square foot in that area. Sure, you're getting prime. They're, they're, they would be moving into prime real estate. That's right. And so that's, you're right. They'd be moving into prime so real estate. It, yeah, so they're losing the tax income on that. Sure, which would be tough because you know, obviously they're not going to you know tax themselves. But at the same time. Again, it would be a more centralized location. Sure. I mean, up a state line road. But, you know, having it on state line road, having the, the library right there, it is good for that area to, to continue to keep state line road, you know, vibrant. Right. Uh, people coming. So it has not been discussed. Would it surprise me 20 years from now? No. Same. But, you know, I don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Asking that question, I've thought about it for years now. If, they, if it would eventually go there, the real estate would be high, uh, expensive to, to buy and develop over there. And, and you got to keep south. I mean, state line road. That that literally is kind of what keeps that area going right mm-hmm. there, the police station and and all the government uh, buildings and stuff right there. So just a thought, but it does make sense staying where they are um, as long as they can. So the mayor mentioned that they usually look to patch their streets, you know, spend some of their overlay uh, in the spring part of the year, because you know you're coming out of the winter and you know you can go ahead and patch up the holes that have happened throughout the rain and the, and the cold, the expanding and the contracting of the streets. They're going to go ahead and spend it early this year because they they've had some projects that really need to be touched up. They're going to go ahead and patch now uh through november try to have it done all through november and then come back with the overlays in the spring so he did mention that i don't know if anybody's been out there lately but snowden grove they're actually adding new baseball fields and the baseball fields are going to be all uh turf fields turf infields when well, yeah, you said is, that they're adding baseball fields or they're, they're redoing the, the current baseball well, they're, at, they're, they're adding the redo- soccer i know that they're adding soccer excuse me they're redoing the current turf fields what this is going to allow is rainouts. I mean, right it's, it's specifically done for the number. Be able to of host tournaments. tournaments and stay on that type of stuff. That's a big deal. So they're they're coming in. They're they're revamping. Uh, you're right. You're they're revamping all of the current infields, and they were talking about the color of the dirt. So they they went with a certain color dirt uh, that looks more apropos to the dirt that is uh, native to our area. Uh, they, you know, because you got some, you know, you can get some really brown dirt, you can get some really red, you know, kind of fake looking, and so they kind of went with a good mix. And again, I don't remember the name that he said, but um, that's been done. And, you know, again, but if you haven't been out there, a lot of work going on. And, you know, just uh, get kudos to the city uh, for having the, the foresight for the baseball fields. And also, again, as Matt mentioned, the new the soccer complex. Like you said, so many people travel in for baseball and to, to not send them home uh, empty-handed or not play enough baseball games or whatever. That definitely makes a difference. Having uh, Oxford's done it, and they're able to kind of get right back out there and play um, with the turf field. So it makes total sense. And the new soccer fields uh, there on the just next to or right behind the uh, bowling alley. I think are just going to be amazing. I've thought for years, hey, South Haven missed the boat by not doing soccer along with the baseball program 15 years ago or whatever when Stone Grove was built. So just, again, like you said, kudos to the city. Uh, it's amazing how, Derek, how you can, in one breath you're talking about uh, how long to leave a trash can at the road, and then the next breath you're talking about what color dirt we're going to have on our turf field. So a lot of, a lot of amazing stuff goes on at Alderman meetings across the country. It, it really does. Uh, and then speaking of dirt moving, uh, with the baseball fields, the last thing that he talked about was the dirt being uh, started to be moved uh, on airways for the new Google uh, complex, the new Google uh, distribution center there. So I think, again, uh, just a great, great thing. they got a lot of stuff going on in South Haven. If you haven't been up there in a while, just kind of drive around and look. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm sure a lot of people do go up the Getwell Corridor. It is one of the main arteries uh, in the county. But if you have not, please go up there and look at what's going on at Silas Square. Look what's going on across the street. And just, you know, we just it is for South Haven, but really it's for the whole county because all of our teams play there. Uh, all of our teams, you know, uh, will you know, be going across the street to get things to eat afterwards. You know, 
couples, um, you know, families will be going to eat at all the restaurants that are around there, Chick-fil-A, some chickens, uh, all the stuff that's there now, uh, and it's coming. So, again. Uh, it's just, just booming. I mean, Solid Square is an awesome. I mean, it's a development that, Derek, you've known about a, long, a lot longer than most of us, uh, most listeners and myself being in, being in banking. Um, but just, you know, I mean, probably been talked about for years and years. Brian Hill and that group, they've they've moved forward, and they're putting their money where their mouth is, and things are coming together. So this, uh, Cottages are starting just past sure. it. Houses are starting back uh, toward Chillahoma. So, again, and, and, of course, we talked about Tuesday about the linear park that will come right through there. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, good for South Haven. You and I live in Hernando, but uh, we've worked in South Haven for years. You know, happy for those folks up there. Happy for the county. It's a mm-hmm. big deal for the county to have a, um, a, a vibrant and, and growing county and uh, a place where people want to move to and be. You look out there and you go out to Carterville and – some of those places where on every corner there's new construction, and uh, then you you drive a little bit closer into Memphis, and and there's where that new construction used to be. It's very interesting. But um, shout out to those guys, uh, the Alderman men and women, uh, Alderman of South Haven, for uh, having a vision and, and keeping it going. So uh, Derek, that that concludes our talk about South Haven. But I know the Hernando Alderman worked hard on Tuesday night as well. Tuesday night, of course, as September fifteenth is the last day that a city can pass its budget. And so the uh, city of Hernando looked to do that, but they also did other things. First thing they did was they appointed a new uh, fire chief. Marshall Berry was a named fire chief for the city of Hernando. So just congratulations to him. He's been in the uh, fire department a long time. Uh, he used to work with his wife at the bank. Uh, and so uh, I, I know he's been there you know, for many, many years, and I just know he's going to do a, a great job for Hernando. The next thing was the Dale Wilson project, the, the one, this is the townhomes that we talked about. Uh, on Memphis Street, right next to one Memphis Street. It was approved by the Planning Commission last Tuesday. It was uh, looked at by the aldermen. However, it was tabled last n- uh, Tuesday night excuse me, because they were one of the aldermen was out of town, uh, has not had a chance to read the Planning Commission's notes and kind of what was said and what was approved uh, specifically. And so he asked for it to be tabled. It was tabled until the first meeting in October. And so not really much discussion on that, obviously, until they that it comes back uh, the first Tuesday in October. Yeah, I guess wasn't able to check his email or anything and take a look at that. Uh, that's you know that's that was what was mentioned, <laughs> and so uh, that's that's why they, they tabled that one. Uh, the next one, uh, all the other uh, things that we talked about on Tuesday, the reduction of two lots to one on Commerce, the reduction of two lots to one, both commercial. Uh, up in Nesbitt. Those were both approved with, with no issues. Uh, there was a, a bond issue that was lowered uh, on a, on the Magnolia's uh, common. Excuse me, Magnolia neighborhood so that was done that was approved so no really issue there the rest of the time was spent on the budget but they came in so you know just kind of talked they had already had a special meeting had already kind of narrowed down the numbers and so the final number was about two hundred nineteen thousand dollars over so they were still you know shorting cuts about two hundred nineteen thousand dollars to meet their projected uh, income and there was a lot of talk about where that money should come from what should be the final cut and what it, there was a three hundred and fifty thousand excuse me three hundred fifty thousand dollar overlay that was going to pave from North Mackinvale, so basically from 69 up to Pleasant Hill, that four-lane stretch that's been there for a couple of years now. They were going to you know, overlay that uh, in this fiscal year. They have postponed that. They've taken that $350,000 out, so that will help. Obviously, it does away with the shortfall of $219,000 and actually allows them to put $140,000 into contingency. And so basically with that $104,000, uh, the, uh, the, I guess the budget is now balanced for the uh, fiscal year of 2021 yeah, and again, uh, again listeners 
uh, of the podcast, please understand the city's not necessarily, um, when we're dealing with budgets, we're not talking about actual cash sitting in a bank account or sometimes stuff like that. It's mainly about what's planned, what's approved, what is allocated towards those funds. So they do have that ability to, hey, we're going to we're gonna see where we look next year and maybe we'll do that overlay next year or, or rebid it out or some kind of stuff like that. So it's a lot of moving parts on the budget and so forth. So what Derek is saying is uh, the Alderman definitely worked hard to, to end up with a zero end game of a balanced budget. Yeah, and, and again, all, you know, most of the income, of course, for cities comes in that January to February time frame. It's when all the taxes are due. And so they'll, that's when most of the income comes in. That's when the you know a lot of the cash does hit the accounts. Uh, but in order to get them there, though, there will be a, a $459,000 shortfall. So they're going to have to finance that 459000 to be able to get them to that money coming in in January. And they did, they did talk about that, too. So, again, uh, you know, they'll put that out to bid. There'll be some kind of a, called a tax anticipation line that'll come in, and, and that'll be usually it's a short-term loan, maybe through March. And they'll have it just kind of as a line of credit to fund anything that they need to fund before those, those monies come in in January and February. So, again, they were able to balance the budget. Other than that, there was, you know, very other little else, just the, the normal consent agendas that were approved. Uh, and then they met for executive session. Uh, at the end yeah and you were talking about the um, the two lots that went from two to or one lot in, into two lots right here at two, com- lots, into one two lot. lots into one lot. I'm sorry uh, right here at Commerce and McCracken was one of those lots right there next to the old, the old change place mm-hmm. and so it's going from two lots into one larger lot so you know I mean when people move and do those type things or make those moves ask for those things uh, to for, for the alderman or the city it usually means something's uh, planned or something's uh, in the works there so I would be eager to see what's going to happen right there I know you know, five years from now, we're going to have a, a really nice, uh, supposed to have a really nice, you know, different exit strategy there uh, on uh, 55 in Commerce to help with traffic overload and just help with growth. So uh, I know MDOT's got that planned. Uh, it's been planned for a while now. It's just a matter of going in the budget or being being taken care of. So big things happening right here at Commerce and, and, and McCracken uh, intersection, which happens to be, Derek, exactly where Mid-South Vans is. The podcast is brought to you each and every week from the Mid-South Vans studios. The Mid-South Vans has been in business now for five years mid-south vans has 12 and 15 passenger vans for any travel needs whether it's a daily weekly or even a monthly rental mid-south vans can help please call the team at mid-south vans 662-469-4555 that's 662-469-4555 again each and every week the podcast is brought to you from the mid-south van studios right here in hernando The podcast is also brought to you by Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. Their phone number is 901-486-1702. That's 901-486-1702. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. We also have another advertiser, a new advertiser on the podcast, Hernando Town Properties. Hernando Town Properties operates the building behind Uncle Bubba's Smokehouse right there on 51. They currently have a three-room office and a two-room office that is uh, available. If you'd like more information on that, please reach out to Hernando Town Properties at 662-404-2550. That's 662-404-2550 for an affordable office space 
Again, three-room and two-room office spaces available. That's 662-404-2550. Thank you to Hernando Town Properties for being our newest advertiser. Thank you to uh, everybody that does advertise with us. We really do appreciate it, and it allows us to be able to you know, come to you twice a week and also helps, you know, be able to, you know, do the, the research that we can do to try to get all the news that's going on in the county out to everybody that listens. Or it helps us afford our intern. That is correct. Yeah. Also helps us afford our intern. <clears throat> on to football. It is Friday. It is time to preview the football games. But before that, Matt, let's talk about a couple of things that have happened across the nation. Number one, Big Ten is now going to play. Correct. October 24th, they will start their season. Uh, they're, so they've been, they've been practicing. A lot of them have been actually not practicing, I guess, a lifting, all-season kind of type conditioning. Uh, but they now are allowed to practice, and they will start doing that ramping up over the next three or four weeks, looking to start their season uh, on October 24th. Of course, the SEC starts next weekend. Uh, so we're probably going to do a little more college talk starting next weekend. I'm not saying that uh, people around here don't, don't care about the AAC and don't care about the A. Uh, ACC, but SEC is this is SEC country, and so we'll start again covering a little more. We're not going to go too into depth, not at right now. Uh, maybe in the future we'll have a separate show that does that. But right now we're just going to kind of you know focus on high school what we want to do, but we don't want to be remiss. We, we we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that it is start, and also the Mac, uh, Mac Tuesdays. Yeah, uh, for those of y'all listeners uh, that may not know that the uh, Mac conference usually plays uh, starting uh, in first week of October. They'll start having Tuesday night football games, and for uh, most guys that pay attention to college football, that's called Maction. So uh, it's really, I think it's something that started for gamblers and stuff. They never say it, of course, but it, it started letting the Mac get uh, some games on on Tuesday and get their name out there more. But uh, again, it allows gamblers to kind of have only one day off, uh, which would be a Wednesday basically from a football standpoint when the NFL starts back on Thursday. So they they call it Tuesday night Maction is. What what they call so uh you know these conferences there they 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 pulled the plug pretty early uh they got a lot of blowback from their fans of course they got a lot of blowback from from the players uh the big 10 was very aggressive Derek, i mean the big 10 commissioner is quoted quoted in an article as saying he wants his co- he wanted his league to have an effect on the election in november and that was from june so i not, I not read that yeah not read that it's he is quoted as saying i would like to have i want my conference to have an effect on the election so he pulls the plug, they pull the plug. And remember, Derek, his son plays for Mississippi State. I didn't know that. Right. So his son plays for Mississippi State, but he tells thousands of football players and fall sports for Big Ten, hey, guys, you, you guys can't play. Don't ask any questions about my son at, in Startville, but you guys can't play. Fast forward a few weeks, they talk about the article that they got most of their information from. Uh, it is uh, found to be uh, defunct or found to be incorrect. Definitely over-exaggerated, uh, the article. And uh, now they've acknowledged that, and they've come back, and they're going to play some football. Derek, you and I both know a lot of this has to do with money. A lot of this has to do with the Big Ten putting together eight or nine football games so they can get back in the uh, – no pun intended – get back in the game for the um, – the national playoffs for the college football playoffs to have access to those funds. We'd be lying if anybody that tells you any different is is, is not telling you the truth. And that's what we're going to try and do on the UTW podcast. When in doubt, follow the money. Yeah, I mean, it's follow, all about follow the money. money. It's follow the money. Uh, we care about kids and all this kind of stuff and, and all those different things you, you hear. When it's all said and done, hey, wait a minute now, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, they're going to get their hands on a lot of money uh, if everything goes well. So we better get back involved. So they're back. We're, we're happy for it. Uh, we, we certainly like to pay attention to a lot of college football and, and football across the country. I go back to it. Uh, we talk a lot off air. I'm, I'm happy for the kids. These kids work too hard each and every day, week. They're asked to be student athletes. When when it's all said and done, they're they're probably athlete students, <laughs> and, and you know from these these football players. So good luck to them, and I look forward to seeing them come back at the end of October. Like Derek said, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about the local schools, the the old misses in the Mississippi states, because that's what our listeners are, are, are wanting to hear. That's what our listeners are um, 
most of them went to school there. Most of them cheer for those schools. So we definitely will talk about the you know the new coaches Lane Kiffin and uh, and Coach Mike Leach down there. You know as we should. So that's it. The only only other conference obviously that's still talking the the, the major conferences of course is the Pac-12. Uh, they they're in discussion. Um, there's been no decision yet, so we're still waiting on that. And there's, of course, other conferences, some of the smaller ones like the SWAC and others that have canceled for the year and will remain that way. I don't see them coming back just because of they, they shut it down early. Uh, a lot of times for the health reasons, the fact that they're usually having to, you know, have they're having to be paid to play games, you know, for the larger right. schools that makes their budgets. And when the larger schools are only playing conference games, I mean, they, they can't make any sure. money trying to go around and, and schedule other games, so they've just decided for the year. And, again, I don't, I don't fault them. They made the best decision for their school. And so, again, I think right now the only one that's still in limbo would be the Pac-12, so we'll see what they do. In, in the South, it's just something that it brings uh, pride and happiness and joy because it's, it's fall when we, when we start playing, playing football. And so, with that said, we're going to turn our attention to the, the high school football all around DeSoto County, all around this area uh, for this week. Uh, last week, we, we – we covered the teams on Tuesday, gave you some rundowns of scores, rundowns of stats. Shout out to those kids that uh, played hard and, and did the best they could, but uh, some won, some lost. But DeSoto County has started off very strong uh, this year, Derek. So let's go ahead and get started with our first game of the week. We typically start off right here in Hernando uh, where we record to. The name of the podcast is Under the Water Tower, so we may as well talk about the team that actually is Under the Water Tower, and that's the Hernando Tigers. Hernando's Gotten off to a bit of a struggle, hard-fought loss to South Panola, but then went to Center Hill, uh, lost by a couple touchdowns there. I was able to watch that game, like I said, uh, via Facebook stream. Center Hill's not a bad football team. We'll get to them in a minute. But Hernando 0-2, looking to, uh, to to get on the winning side, get in the winning column, uh, traveling to New Albany. Uh, so my, my, my wife's a little bit torn being from New Albany, who she's going to cheer for in this one. But Hernando travels to New Albany Bulldogs tonight. Derek, i got to go with New Albany until I see Hernando change it, change some things. Yeah, Hernando, you know, led by quarterback Zach Wilkie, wide receiver Reed Flanagan you know put up some points last week of course they just you know center hill was just you know just came up with what came up on the short end so they do start 0-2 New Albany 1-1 uh, they've coming off a win versus Boonville a 45-14 win and it looks like that Hernando is going to have to stop Joe Mathis Joe Mathis so far for New Albany has six TDs on the season yeah, Joe six TDs score. in two games. So again, probably look to shut him down. I think I shut him down. You know, I think they've got a good shot of winning. However, I'm gonna have to go with you. Going with the Bulldogs. Yeah, I've got to take New Albany in this one, uh, Derek. The, I mean, Hernandez got to travel. Uh, New Albany playing at home. You know, I, I just feel like New Albany's. Uh, they're a tough team. I think they're, they're. I think they can contend for a playoff spot this year. Doing a little research on them. Interesting fact, Derek. When you type in on the uh, on most apps for get your scores, you'll type in New Albany, Mississippi, and New Albany, Indiana will pop up. Their high school will pop up, and they have the same mascot as New Albany, Mississippi. When I say same mascot, they're the Bulldogs, and they have the same mascot. One is gray and one is white. Exact same mascot. So just a little fact there if you want to do that. Uh, moving on, we, we like to start uh, with Hernando, of course, but then we go to the east side of the county. Uh, moving over to Center Hill, who Hernando lost to last week. Center Hill 1-1 one one on the season. Tough loss to South Haven in week one. Beats Hernando 42-28 to last week, so Center Hill can score some points uh, in watching that game on Facebook. Pretty physical team. Uh, look pretty darn solid. So I'm going to go with Center Hill over the Bahia Chiefs. Bahia's 0-2, going traveling down to Marshall County. Short ride for Center Hill. That's a, I mean, that's basically should be a rival. You know, less than a 20-minute bus ride over there. I just think Center Hill is all over Bahia tonight. Agree. We were called out, as I said on Tuesday, by some at Center Hill about picking Hernando last week. So not going to make that mistake again. I think Coach Peacock will have the boys ready, coming off a, a nice victory over Hernando. And you know, Bahia has already played a couple teams. Uh, they they've struggled. 
And they also, you know, with the DeSoto County team already. So, again, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to pick the Mustangs. All right. We're going to move on to DeSoto Central. It's going to host Columbus. Columbus is the Falcons. Uh, the Columbus Falcons travel to DeSoto Central. Three-hour bus ride, long trip, 0-2 record so far. I'm telling you, being a 15 to 18 year old kid, you're not, you're not very happy about that. Uh, it's, it's just I don't see it happening. DeSoto Central one and one. Uh, I've got some pretty talented players. Uh, Derek, you read some stats earlier uh, this week uh, about what DeSoto Central has been able to do. So pretty good offense. I just feel like DeSoto Central's all over Columbus again. Home game. DeSoto Central big tonight. Oh and two Falcons one and one. Jaguars again. It's just 27 21 uh, victory last week uh, over Pontotoc. Led by quarterback Jason Curry, who's got almost 300 yards in the season, two TDs. Running back Marquise Fields has 163 yards rushing and two TDs. And then Bronson Titanoa, the wide receiver, who just put up good numbers this year, big numbers this year. So, again, I will also go Jaguars. And then, Derek, after the game at DeSoto Central, you can walk. Should you choose to, you can walk over to the new little ice cream shop there, which is pretty oh, I, good. I did say that. The yeah, day. little ice cream shop there. So, usually outside the door, out the door um, whenever we, we pass by. So, uh, r- real quick story. Got a, they, they have ice cream, they have snowballs. And I told you this. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we ended up in South Haven, my wife and I. I go inside. We get us a snowball. I come out. While I'm putting on, I set it on my console, the snowball. While I'm putting on my seatbelt, I knock it between the seat. Mm. So I had a, a, a full snowball just go straight down between the seat. I sat there for 25 minutes cleaning it up. Got home. It had, I had to let it melt yeah. to be able to clean. It was terrible. Terrible night, terrible night. But I was most upset. You know me. I was most upset about the snowball. Oh no! I really wanted. That. I mean, <laughs> I, re- I you really got, was upset. Did you have the cream on it? The, yes. The cream? Oh, of course. Oh, Are you yeah. kidding me? When was the last time you had a snowball? Nineteen eighty-five. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I have no idea the last time I had a snowball. <laughs> most people know that I'm asking Derek that because he 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 watches his figure quite a bit and pays attention to that. So I I, I might start once a week, start asking you when was the last time you had a certain kind of food. I'm, I'm going to start doing that because I think most of our listeners would want to know when was the last time you had certain things. So uh, it's been a while. On a snowball. <laughs> I'll know. It's been, a, but but you gotta get the cream on it though. I oh, mean, no. If if I ever if, if it's one of those things where okay, man, look, you gotta have it. You you know, it's time to have a cheat day, or just major cheat day. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have like double cream. It's gonna be double shot cream. How do you drive to North Point all the time? Because again, we talked about you are the cross country coach at North Point. Uh, middle school, middle school. Middle school. No, I'm sorry, middle school cross country coach. So you drive to North Point four times a week, and you've never swung by the ice cream shop or the. Uh... I actually didn't notice it probably until this week. Okay, and usually because I'm I'm getting through there doing that. 5 o'clock. I'm leaving work about four thirty, so right. I'm battling the traffic up there. If I, and it's you know the Soda Central gets out late, so there's still teachers, students leaving at four thirty ish. They've got practice going on, so I'm literally in the right lane, trying not to you know kill someone or be killed. And you know, I I don't ever hardly look to the left. I'm I'm you know probably on the way home. I have a little more time to look, but I just. Again, I probably didn't notice it until this week. But a lot of what it boils down to is typically I, while I'm driving, I'm looking to my left and right for places to eat. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're not. No, I'm cheap. I, I, will, I will bring a sandwich with me. I will bring my snack oh, to yeah. Cross Country and eat it because I'm, right. I'm cheap that way. I got you. Tishomingo County. Tishomingo County. Everybody knows Iuka area east of, of Corinth uh, traveling over to Lewisburg. Uh, Tishomingo County last week lost to the East Union Urchins. Okay, urchins. so The Urchins. So if you don't know what an urchin is, we're talking about something like a seahorse. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to punish. If you lose to something that could be or would be uh, on the uh, in the Little Mermaid uh, Disney movie, uh, I'm going I'm going to have to go against you. So I'm picking Lewisburg to beat the, the Tishomingo County Braves uh, handily tonight. I think Lewisburg, who was off last week. No, they weren't. Lewisburg was not off. No, they but won. They won. They were one and one. I'm picking Lewisburg to beat Tishomingo County. Again, I'm punishing Tishomingo County for losing to something that could be in the in the Little Mermaid movie. I mean, unless you're talking a land shark. Now, land shark, 
other than a land shark, if it's a, if it's a starfish, if it's a seahorse, yeah, I, that's that's bad. Uh, Tisha Mingo R one and one coming off that loss. Lewisburg one and one led by uh, running back Blake Speed. Again, great name. Uh, wide receiver Cannon uh, Morgan, and again the the defense led by Josh Pack and then the St. Albans brothers. Really think that the Patriots take it to them. Coach Gerke, you know, got the kids fired up. They're on this you know one game winning streak, ready to extend this to two. Going Patriots. Uh, Olive Branch, Olive Branch, two and zero on the season, playing well for the, to start the season. Travels to Cleveland Central. Travels down to play the Cleveland Central Wolves at zero and one. Derek, I got to be honest with you. Uh, you. You know, again, off air, we discuss these games, visit a little bit. Olive Branch. Uh, I have a feeling Cleveland Central is going to be a little bit undisciplined. 0-1 on the season, only play one game, kind of working their way back into the season. I think it's Olive Branch big time over uh, Cleveland Central. I think this game's over pretty early, and Olive Branch will move to 3-0. Yeah, I think Olive Branch, again, 2-0 versus an 0-1, as you mentioned, Cleveland Wolves. Uh, Cameron Ford, running back, had two TDs in the last game. You know, uh, I think the quarterback – uh, Ty Watson will have a good game. Coach Bowling uh, is going to travel over there. I think he's going to have them ready. I think he's going to, you know, again, you mentioned the long bus trips. I mean, that's a good hour and a half on a bus. But I do think that Olive Branch has, you know, they're on a mission this year. They're leading the table right now in, this, in District 6-1A. And I think they continue going. I'm going with the Keisters. Up next, Bartlett Panthers. The Bartlett Panthers make the 45-minute bus ride or so over to play the South Haven Chargers. South Haven was off on a bye last week. South Haven has only played one game, beating Center Hill 14-7. Bartlett has actually played four games on the season. So this will be Bartlett's fifth game. I just feel like they have more on film. They have more uh, experience right now uh, hitting someone else, really. Anytime you can put something on film, you see what's working and not working, you can fix it. Uh, you can you can see different wrinkles that you can improve. I just feel like Bartlett could beat South Haven tonight. I know South Haven has a lot of speed on the outside, um, but again, Bartlett's fifth game. I just feel like they're they're farther ahead in their season than South Haven by far. I think Bartlett wins against South Haven tonight. South Haven, of course, have uh, Jordan Hibbler at quarterback. He's, he has one game with 166 yards and a touchdown. Of course, uh, we talked about Isaiah Brevard, uh, the real good wide receiver committed to Oregon. He had a TD last game and, and also led by running back Jalen Mays. But as you said, they've had one game. They're off a bye. I'm sure they've made the corrections. But when, you have, when you've played four games, and of course we've, we've talked about this with Arlington before, played a couple of DeSoto County teams, it's tough. I mean, you're in your rhythm. You know who you are. Uh, you've, you know, you've taken the hits. You've taken the lumps. You've made the mistakes. And I'm not saying – if this was played later on in the year, I probably would take the Chargers, you know, depending on how they do. I really think that the, the speed – uh, on the on the outside, and look, these are all seniors we're talking about. So they've right. been through these battles before, but I do think the, you know to be a cohesive unit, you need a couple more games under your belt. So I'll go with the Panthers. Uh, up next, Derek, uh, a game that's important to you. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast the last two weeks. The North Point Trojans have not played in two weeks. They've been off the last two weeks, and when I say off, I mean not even practicing. It's a kind of a protocol that their school went through uh, for the high school, and so the North Point football team had to come back and get started uh, on Mo- was it Monday or Tuesday? Monday. All right, so they were back able to start practicing, get back out on the field, but still taking two weeks off as a high school football team is difficult, without a doubt. So North Point travels to play the ECS Eagles. Uh, ECS is the reigning state champions in their division for the Tennessee uh, Independent School Leagues. And so ECS is a very high-quality football team. ECS is going to come with a very organized uh, uh, running game, I think, right? They That's run, correct. they run yeah. the ball a lot, so they try and shorten the game. They run the ball. Look, man, they want to beat you fifty-five nothing and be be done by eight fifteen. That's what they want to do out, out there at ECS. So, Derek, I, I've got to go with the Eagles tonight. I'm so, I know you're accusing yourself, but uh, I've got to go with the Eagles on this one. I'm accusing myself. Uh, I've, I've got personal feelings on this game. Um, and again, North Point, first game, you know, forty to nothing mm-hmm. and one half of football. 
They beat Fayetteware. So I do think they can put up some points. Uh, you know, the defense, of course, we don't know how. You know, Fayetteware is 2-2, two and two, so they have won two games. So we, we're not quite sure exactly what we got. Unfortunately, we, we you know, had to postpone a, a district game. The St. George's game was postponed to October 23rd. We'll probably know a little bit more about the team if we had played that. ECS 3-1, and one, uh, just like we mentioned about Bartlett. there, But they are coming off a loss. They lost to Houston High last week. But, of course, Houston High is a what would be considered a Mississippi, a 6A team versus a you know a, a, a private school so I, I think that you know that's an understandable loss again uh, North Point led by uh, Hudson Brown quarterback Jackson Thomason at running back got a couple good wide receivers uh Christian Gillian, who's a freshman, had a real good first game. Mitchell Wright's a senior tight end, uh, who a couple of uh, you know smaller schools are looking at. On the defense, you've got Chris Gillian on the defensive line. You got Gino Peripache at linebacker, and then Alex Wright playing safety, kind of you know uh, just anchoring down that defense. So, again, I'm going to recuse myself. Uh, I will be at the game, and so you will have full details on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And Derek texted me quite a bit throughout the game. You know, ECS is a strong football team. And we just talked about with Bartlett being 3-1. and one. ECS is 3-1. and one. Like you said, North Point has not played an entire game. They play one half of football. One half of football. One half of football. Took two weeks off for practicing. Man, that's that's an almost an impossible task to ask kids to, to be able to perform uh, from. But our hearts go out to them tonight to get get after it and play and, and, and see what happens when they when they put the pigskin down uh, to, to get it snapped. Last game for the, uh, the this area, again, we cover Magnolia Heights and we mention their games. They are in Sanatobia, but a number of kids from DeSoto County go there. So we are mentioning Magnolia Heights. Magnolia Heights 2-2 two and two on the season. Started off 2-0. Two, uh, two and oh. They've lost their last two. Magnolia Heights plays the Washington School Generals, which we have some listeners, people that listen to podcasts each and every week. Tended Washington School. Wow. I'm going to go with the Chiefs tonight. I'm going to go with the Chiefs to, to get back on the winning side. Uh, Washington uh, is 0-2 on the season. I think the Magnolia Heights Chiefs uh, get it done tonight, get back on the winning winning track. Magnolia Heights um, was able to pull – it's been – I don't think we were able to preview that team because they had started earlier than everybody else. Um, pulled a couple of, of stats for their players. You know, again, they've played four games, so this is similar to the Tennessee teams. They're probably the only team around here that has come close to playing four games. So their quarterback, Kirby, he has he's, has 78 completions for 1,155 yards, nine touchdowns and three interceptions in four games. My boy can sling it. Uh, and Magnolia Heights? Huh? Magnolia Who? Heights. Yeah, we're almost at 300 12, yards a game. 1,200 yards passing in four games. In four games, nine TDs, three interceptions. So just slow, just slow down. <laughs> North Point has played one half of football. One half of football. Magnolia Heights, not far down the road, has played four games, and a kid has thrown for 1,200 yards. That is correct. Wow. It's amazing. All right, so uh, the running back is Borgannoni. Uh, I'm probably saying that wrong. He's got uh, 32 rushes for 110 yards. Their wide receivers are Kay Fields. He's 17. He has 17 receptions for 290 yards and five touchdowns. And then A. Pepper, he has 12 receptions for 234 yards and two touchdowns. So, again, they like to sling it. This is a, you know, obviously sounds like a wide-open offense. Wow. Uh, really putting up some points, putting up some stats. Again, started off the season very well, You know, putting the beat down a couple people, which they, you know, may have been a little uh, stat padding. But then, of course, they also put up points in their loss, losses, their two losses. But, yeah, I really think – you know, it sounds like Washington struggles that are 0-2. Uh, I also think the Chiefs win and win big. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, especially with the stats you just gave me. That sounds great. Horn Lake is on a bye. Lake Cormorant is on a bye. So those two teams are taking the week off. So we'll have uh, we'll have coverage on them next week. But they are off for this week, uh, taking a little break, of course, um, which is good. But, Derek, you know, we can break down all these games. We can talk about what we think is going to happen on the field, make those picks, which, like we said, our picks are now 13-3. and three. But the way that most people, everybody that talks to me about picks and, and high school football picks each week when they discuss the podcast with me, uh, whether it be at church or whether it be uh, out to dinner or something like that, when they stop me and talk to me about the podcast, one of the things they really enjoy is 
the mascot battle royale. Mascot battle royale. So we're going to choose four games as we typically do uh, this week. Actually, I think it's a, we're going we're to go with five games, and, and some of them are going to be very low hanging fruit, fairly easy. We're going to kick it off. Hernando Tigers playing the New Albany Bulldogs. That's easy. It doesn't need much discussion. Um, Bulldogs, uh, you know, they do a lot of. In order to make the perfect bulldog, they've had to do a lot of inbreeding, Derek, and 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 you get to where I'm just saying it's a, it's a fact. I've I've seen it. You get so to where you're the saying bu- your wife is inbred. No, no, I didn't say that okay. at all. Okay. Okay. What I simply said was. Bulldogs, in order to make the most perfect bulldog, they think, or people think, it's really hurt the bulldog gene pool. Bulldogs can barely breathe. Tigers, absolutely in a landslide. Tigers kill the Bulldogs in the mascot battle. Put them in a cage. Tiger wins in a Bulldog. Not even matter. Tiger doesn't even get his heart rate up. Next game, DeSoto Central play in the Columbus Falcons. Okay, So the Falcons play in the Jaguars in the mascot battle. Put them in a cage. See who wins. We talked about it before last week with another thing. Rarely will this ever happen. I'll have to look and see on YouTube if I if I see any Falcons and Jaguar uh, battles. But uh, we're choosing. Uh, we, we think the Jags could take care of the Falcons fairly easily if it came down to it. Cat versus the bird, Jag yeah. wins. Cat versus the bird. I mean, I've seen it. What's uh? Yeah, absolutely. Cat versus the bird. Cat wins. Uh, I mean, unless you're you know Sylvester the cat. Trying to get Tweety, I guess that's the only case. Other than that, or I mean, sometimes you know Tom's chasing birds too. If he's not chasing Jerry, but again, cats over birds. Cats over birds. Ala Branch Conquistadors. Okay, Conquistadors are explorers. Big iron hats and swords and stuff like that. Playing the Cleveland Central Wolves. Multiple things, Derek. Are we talking about talking about wolves from you know your basic wolf that you see in a zoo, or are we talking about uh, are we talking about Team Wolf? Are we talking about Michael J. Fox? Or are we talking about the wolves from, from Twilight? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and scratch out the wolf from Twilight. Okay, no wolf. That, that doesn't exist. Okay, but Michael J. Fox's wolf, he's, he's pretty good. Okay, if it's Teen Wolf, if we're saying Teen Wolf, obviously it's Teen Wolf. I mean, this man, I mean, Michael J. Fox, who had limited to no basketball ability, if, if you saw him in any of the uh, behind the scenes trying to play basketball, actually, if you saw him pre or post wolf on the show, he's horrendous. And then I mean, my boy is five foot six dunking. So, I mean, obviously it's Teen Wolf. Yeah, it's Teen Wolf. Uh, therefore, if we're saying it's a Teen Wolf Wolf, Wolves. Right. We're going Michael J. Fox, Teen Wolf Wolf. Uh, that guy, was, that was, he, was, he was good. He no, was he, really, did you see him th- like when he threw the bowling ball? What I, ne- what I never understood was the, the girl, the Pamela girl, in the play with him, liked him when he was a wolf. Liked only it, when he was a only wolf. Only when he was only a wolf. I mean, no, why didn't we not dive into that a little bit? Is there some type of a, I mean, is there type, some type of a psychiatric issue there? Because she liked the Mick guy who was all whatever, but then she liked Michael J. Fox when he was the wolf. And they, they, you know, and they, they had the scene where they were in the, the, oh, yeah. right, yeah, right, they, yeah. right. They were, they were in the uh, dressing room together and so forth. And uh, it's very interesting. It, they, I mean, it's, she, she, she likes the animal. I'm not going to say. I, I got you. I mean, you know, it is, it's a family show, so we're going to stop there. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. But very, very interesting that she only liked him when he was a wolf. Very interesting. But one of my favorite parts of any movie is right there when, at the end when, when she thinks he's about to hug her and he runs over and hugs Booth. That was good stuff. Uh, anyway, so we're going Team Wolf to beat the Conquistador. Oh, well, Booth uh, had really bad hair. Yeah, I well, mean, absolutely. It, it was just one of the worst hair decisions probably in any 80s. I mean, and we're talking 80s movies. Horrendous hair decision. I mean, just <laughs> not a fan of the hair, Booth. Right. So, anyway, North Point Trojans. Hosting the EC, I'm sorry, North Point Trojans going to ECS Eagles. A Trojan versus an Eagle. Go back to the Conquistador, similar thing. Helmets, body armor, sword, shield, the whole deal right there. I'm picking the Trojan. A Trojan would take care of an Eagle. Well, I mean, look, from what you say, obviously Trojans lost to the Greeks. They are here no more. However, Paris was a Trojan. Paris was known for the bow and arrow. Yeah. Um, as, as much as you, as he was the worst. 
I mean, Pierce was the worst. I mean, Week started the whole thing, just a terrible, terrible guy. Hector had to always take up for him. Hector, it cost Hector his life. But the man could shoot a bow and arrow. Sure. I mean, he'd pluck the eagle out of the sky. Got gotcha. a Trojan. Okay, going with the Trojan uh, eagle there. Yeah, but I do agree with you. Paris was a complete and total wuss. If they'd have just offed him, the world would be different. Oh, easily. Just off I mean, him just easily. Just yeah. off that guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, last thing, Magna Heights Chiefs playing the Washington Generals. Derek, off air, you and I discussed, you have to you have to take any team that plays the Washington Generals. For most of y'all listeners, listeners who know or don't know that pay attention to the Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Generals basketball team has lost to the, the uh, Harlem Globetrotters, uh, I think, over 4,000 times. So just a horrendous horrendous percentage of winning so if you're named the washington generals when it comes to the mascot battle royale you're going to get picked against uh for the utw podcast so we're going to go with the chiefs over the washington generals yeah i mean again when anybody from washington the washington school i mean when you play a basketball season i mean i hope that your team is 30 and 0 every year because if it's not i mean how do you not look at yourself and say we are named after the losingest team in the world like nobody has lost as much as the washington generals and that's what you're named after ever. So, I mean, I can't imagine if, if – now, I may be too far removed now for anybody, but if – y'all had to take abuse back in the 70s, 80s, when the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> were everywhere. Just had to take abuse to that name. Again, we also saw what happened to Custer. It was a terrible last yes. stand for him. Terrible yeah. last stand as a general. We're going to go Chiefs. Yeah, we're going Chiefs over the generals, just over historic precedents. And when you're named the Washington Generals, you are the preemptive loser. So we're going to say that. So uh, anyway, uh, Mascot Battle Royale, great part of our podcast. If you're interested in more information about the UTW Podcast, please look for us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram, UTW Podcast, and on Twitter, the UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. And most importantly, if you like what you hear each and every week, the two shows we put out each week, go to the bottom or go to wherever you get your uh, podcast uh, each and every week and hit the subscribe button. Uh, it allows us to talk to advertisers. That's uh, mainly the main questions we uh, we get each week. How many people are listening to you guys each week? And we're crossing uh, new, new numbers each and every week. So we really appreciate all the support that's coming to us from Hernando especially and then DeSoto County as a whole. So if you enjoy what you're hearing each week, if you're getting a chance to hear your son or your daughter's name or anything like, stuff, anything like that, please tell others. Please tell your aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, uh, share us on your Facebook pages and say, hey, man, uh, listen to what these local guys are doing, and we really appreciate all the support. We've got a lot of momentum right now with some uh, some advertisers, so uh, we hope to in October to have some some changes to the UTW podcast when it comes to advertisers and comes to presenting sponsors uh, possibly. So with that being said, we thank you so much for all your support. I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. <laughs> <laughs>